jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! of darkness! Annyeonghaseyo, yorobun! Gelojimnida! It's themed today! Yes, we're themed today. Of course we are. Because why, Anthony? Be- because we love to coordinate? Well, yeah, that's why we wear matching outfits all the time. At all times. <laughs> <laughs> Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Yeah. I of like darkness. to think of us as the Grady girls. Yeah, oh, that's sweet. Or those those twins on the motorcycles from the Guinness Book. What? Motorcycle twins? Yes, the very large motorcycle twins. The twins were large, not the motorcycles. Uh, like, were they giantesses? Uh, giants. Oh, really? Gendered. They were the, they were... (laughs) Giantesses is gendered. (laughs) Sorry! (laughs) They were mask motorcycle-leaning giants. (laughs) Yes, sure. (laughs) Oh my god, the McGuire twins? Yeah! I love them! Oh, let's be them. <laughs> Our next live show, we could come out as them. Stacy, they have little cowboy hats and little, like, cow print pattern vests. Yeah, they're cool. That's oh, what I'm wow. saying. This is why, this is why we need, I mean, not to honor, you know, our commitment to journalism or our love of incredible actresses, but this is why we need to do a live show, is that we can finally get our costume dreams achieved. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got a whole trunk of them just waiting. We have so many, you listeners do not know, we have so many costumes and and musical numbers yeah. and uh, opening sequences that just, just in our dreams. It's a real shame the pandemic has happened. It really is. Yeah. Anyway, yes, we are themed. Right. <laughs> uh, obviously, we are dressed alike, but that's inconsequential to this week's theme. Uh, you notice we're doing a Korean film, okay, for uh-huh. non-horror horror week. I think you could argue this is a horror movie, but it's very good at pretending it's not a horror movie. Uh-huh. For the general audiences, which is why I think it was partially why it was such a big hit. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so we're doing a Korean film. The point is because uh, Thursday. Because why? Because Thursday the 28th, one Miss Moonbyul of Mama Moo is having another comeback. You say another comeback. She just had one. And I was like, actually, Solar just had one. And before that, it was Moonbyul. Yeah. These girls don't let the wallet rest. Okay. <laughs> so whenever a member of Mama Moo or Mama Moo proper has a comeback, we have to talk about a Korean film. Yes. This is the law. We have done this. We've been doing this for the last year, at least. Ever since I really just 
converted Anthony clockwork orange style. Oh man, I'm so grateful for those eye forceps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I knew they'd come in handy someday. Just images of Hwasa eating and, and my eyes just like dripping. Yeah. <laughs> I'm forced to watch more and more. <laughs> so like I said, I think this movie could be called a horror movie. And so you say, I thought you were doing non-horror horror, horror adjacent movies. And I say, well, sure. Non-horror, horror, horror adjacent movies, <laughs> yeah. week, month, week. Yeah, yeah, that's our the thing. Full title. Is to talk about movies that aren't horror, but sure do feel like horror. Yeah, that can make you vastly uncomfortable, profoundly uneasy, and sometimes they're thrillers adjacent as yeah. well. Yeah, um, and so we're doing this one, and I didn't actually realize how fortuitous it is to do this movie, Anthony. I was... I felt like there must be something swirling in the air. Lay it out for me. Uh, lay it out for you that the original title of this film was De Calcomani. <gasps> Which, of course, is the name of a Mama Moo song. It basically means mirroring. It's very appropriate for this movie. Oh my god! Really? Mm-hmm. Wow! That's full circle! It's full circle! Oh, by the way, we're talking about Parasite today. Yes. 2019. Might have heard of it. Might have heard of it. Oscar winning film. Might have heard us talk shit about it on this show circa 2019. Yeah, you know, I've thought about this film a lot since then. And I did, it's, I think at the time we were both like, I like this film a lot. But the, the, the fever around it was crazy. And I'm, perhaps I should have had a bit more patience with it and said hey maybe people will discover korean cinema yeah oh absolutely but it was just like all of a sudden it was parasite everywhere like now it's gonna be in black and white as if that would add anything to this why why do they always do this we this happens with every movie now it's re-released in black and white the way it was never intended but we're gonna say it was intended and i don't understand why that is it was just it just felt like a typical like overdoing it in like now we're gonna have the parasite uh series and now we're gonna have we're gonna release the storyboards as a comic book and now it's gonna be in black and white and it's like (laughs) special edition where a bantha walks by in front of the yeah so i think i kind of that irritated me and it probably shouldn't have because like i said perhaps it opened someone's eyes to some world cinema um but it is something that i wanted to go back and revisit yes and I think especially how much learning and studying I have done in the three years since then, <gasps> I have to say, has paid off immensely in the Tell second we're doing. Oh, it's so much. We'll just have to get into it. Oh, I can't wait. I was thinking about any time there were, well, I guess any time there was language, <laughs> I thought of you and I was like, <laughs> I wonder what Stacy's knowing that I'm not knowing. <laughs> We'll get to definite, yeah, there's a lot. There's actually oh, a lot. Wait. And I have to say that my experience with the film has been greatly enriched by uh, the last few years, and which is nice because that's kind of been the point of the last few years. Yeah, yeah, that's true. For me. So, uh, yeah. Well, that's nice to hear. Yeah. So I'm interested also in to see how you, because I think you didn't, 
I don't know that you enjoyed it as much as I did on the first viewing. Like, going back to it, you were like, yeah, okay, we'll do that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's accurate. Um, no, yeah, I, I was actually really, the whole time I was watching this, I was like, what the fuck was my problem? Yeah. <laughs> like, I think I was just angry. I think, I, no, I, I know what, it, I'm an asshole. And I think I was just being an asshole. Uh because I think for many of the similar reasons that you addressed, like that just there was so much hype around it. Everyone lost their mind. It, it's kind of like what what I experienced with and I haven't watched it all yet. But so there goes all my um, credibility out the window. But like I kind of felt like I experienced this with like Squid Game so, sort of in the mm. in terms of my awareness of it in the public consciousness. Right. Where I'm like, have, have so have no Americans ever seen a Korean TV series? Right. Is kind of my takeaway. Um, and that's actually really unfair because that's less about the the product or story or film or TV show, whatever it is, itself, and more about just my disdain <laughs> for people only now catching on to things. Which everybody's got to have their first exposure and look at look at who's talking but i just started getting into asian horror for the most part in the last three years when we really started picking up on on this show and uh my life has greatly changed for that so now i can be the shitty asshole in a year in it's like (laughs) have none of you ever seen a korean slasher like so there was that aspect there was also the i loved portrait of a lady on fire so much and I was just a resentful um, Rita that Portrait of a Lady on Fire got like completely ignored by the awards and everyone talked up Parasite. Um, so I think those were my b- big things. Also, I'm unhappy. I'm still unhappy with what happens to one character in this film. Absolutely. Uh, maybe that's one of the points. But that said, I, I love this movie. It's incredible. It's a great movie. It's so well made. We all know this filmmaker. He's incredible. It's a great movie. I loved it. I'm really happy to revisit it. This was the first time I've watched it since the first time I saw it. Yeah, it's, um, I found it much more emotionally affecting this time. Yeah. Um, I got real sad. <laughs> yeah. parts of this movie. This movie is depressing as fuck. Um, and it's definitely, like I said, it's, it's got a lot of the hallmarks of just regular Korean cinema. And then all of a sudden, at like the hour mark... It's like, boom, now this is a thriller. Now there's horror elements and all that. But you don't go in expecting a horror movie. Unless you're me the first time. And I did expect a horror movie. And that also was part of my feelings. Yeah. But I think that's something really interesting about doing non-horror horror in general. Is like last week we talked about Martha Marcy May Marlene. And... Watching these movies that have elements of horror or might match the tension and the suspense and all of that, but because they're not horror, as a horror fan, they're almost more intense because you don't get that usual path. You don't get the final girl and the big confrontation with the bad guy and all of this. It just is going to be Martha in the backseat of the car and it's going to cut to black. Like all of our expectations as horror fans are upended, but it still plays with this, like evoking the same emotional response in in you. Interesting. So that actually could make it more unsettling, right? Yeah, I think so. Because we're not following a pathway. If we knew if that was a horror movie, we would have been expecting 
the confrontation. Like, you knew it would happen somehow. There'd be some kind of bloody denouement, whatever. Yeah, the home invasion that I was waiting for the entire movie. Yeah. Where the cultists finally show up to the house, and now Sarah Paulson and her sister, they're going to have to really unite as sisters. (laughs) Yeah, right? perish. But because it's not following those those genre beats it's like we don't get that yeah yeah instead you just get that car just following them cut to black yeah and so parasite takes a big turn more blatantly into the horror elements but i still think for non-horror viewers it must it honestly must have been such a shock because the first hour is just funny and sad and you know where's this gonna go it's a drama it's got some comedy in it Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really funny it's really funny yeah and then you get to that last act oh wow and it <laughs> by the time he shows up just covered in blood with the crazy eyes and that knife it's unsettling i was i found myself actually uh saying you know what good for you that she won the oscar she being the film itself. Um, and I'm honestly actually kind of shocked that it did now, in retrospect. I truly... Uh, the excitement that everyone else experienced when it won the Oscar, I am now experiencing years later. And I really can't believe that it won, especially given how just lame the Oscars are. This is kind of a giant thing for this to have won it. Yeah, not only... I mean, it's the first Korean film... To win it. It's like the first, one of the first international films, I think, mm-hmm. to win it. Um, and just given the subject matter, it's a little like Silence of the Lambs. Like, how did that actually happen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what know? what witch needed to pour what ingredients <laughs> yeah. to make this happen? Yeah. And so this is just doubly surprising because it is a foreign language film. Yeah, that's nice. Have you guys seen Parasite? You've probably seen Parasite. You should see it. (laughs) Hello, fellow teens. Have you heard of Parasite? (laughs) Have you fellow Parasite seers? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Basically, boy, there's so much to talk about in this movie. There's a lot. It's beefy. She's a beefy beefy girl. (laughs) (laughs) She's beefy queen. But I will, let me just, let me pump the brakes for one moment, though, and just say, like, as a, actually, I will say now, like, yes, I was a fool. This movie's incredible. Same. Uh, it would be much more incredible, though, if it was to call the Kalkamani and one of the families was replaced with Mamamo. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> then I'd be like, of course it won the Oscar. It should win every Oscar going forward. And going backwards, take all those other Oscars back and give it to this weird movie with Mama Moo in it for some reason. <laughs> right? It's a class fable. <laughs> it's a class Mama fable. Moo. That's right. <laughs> I don't care who they replace. Can they be in their Teletubbies outfits, though? Yes. <laughs> they showed up to that award show or whatever in the wrong outfit. Oh. They either come upstairs or downstairs in Teletubbies <laughs> outfits. Anyway, the kid looks over and thinks he sees a ghost, and it's just Tinky Winky's <laughs> triangle <laughs> emerging from the behind the stairs. Oh boy, no one knows what we're talking about. That's okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll post a video because it's it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Okay, so there was an awards show. 
And the theme of the awards show was like Winter Wonderland and everybody was supposed to dress in costumes. And so all the K-pop groups dressed as like, you know, winter princesses and winter princes and all this. All Mamamoo heard was costumes. And so... (laughs) Which they love. Which they love a costume. And so at this fucking awards show, the music starts playing and they have to have their entrance and they come out in Teletubby costumes. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're so cool. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway. (sighs) But this is Parasite, not to Kalkamani. Yeah, sadly. Sadly. Both Uh, fitting titles, right? mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Makes you think. Totally makes you think. Use your you brain. Know, you're like, yeah, man, class. Class, dude. I think the, that man. was the other thing is like, <laughs> on like the first time I saw this, I was like, okay, like I get it. But I think I had a very surface read of the sort of class issues in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt similarly. A lot of it was just so much more this time around but anyway i guess we should just actually talk about the movie right what's what's the what is the academy award-winning film about uh well you've got the kim family uh they live in a basement apartment in a low-income section of the city they are out of work hard scrabble doing whatever kind of piecemeal work they can like we meet them and they're doing they're assembling pizza boxes to earn a few bucks mm. and the son kiwu his uh, a friend of his from school comes by and is like hey i've been tutoring this girl for this wealthy family i'm going away why don't you take the job for me so they fake some college documents he gets a job at the home of the park family uh, very a young wealthy family, um, and basically he continues the grift and gets his entire family to work for the Parks. Uh, his sister, Ki Jung, played Park So Dumb. She's so amazing, right? My queen. I think she's everybody's favorite part of this movie. Really. Oh, uh, it's just like oh, she's so cool. <laughs> I mean, even when, oh, I just can't, I, it's not left my head. I need Mama Moo to do a remix of Jessica, only child, Illinois, Chicago. <laughs> it's so good. I guess that's to the theme of some show that Koreans are actually going to be familiar with. So it'd be like somebody over here doing it to, you know, whatever. The Golden To the Girls Full House. Yeah. Oh, right, Golden Girls. Oh, yeah. so then they, it's a, in lieu of a mnemonic device. They're just singing along to this. To a very song. familiar song, yeah. I love that. Oh, I love yeah. it. I love her. She's so fucking cool. Yeah, she is. So she gets hired as uh, the art tutor therapist for the Park family's young son. Um, they finagle a way to get the Park family driver fired so that they can bring their father in as the driver. And then they sabotage uh, the health of the he- of the housekeeper, Moon Guang. Um, she's highly allergic to peaches, and so they get this scheme going where they uh, sprinkle peach fuzz around her, and she has, like, asthmatic reactions. She's coughing. She's vomiting. She's going crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they, like, follow her to the doctor and take a picture and tell the parks, like, I heard that she has TB. You better fire her. And she's so, been there for ages. She was there with the last family, the owner, like the architect of the house that lived there before. She's been there that long. She's been there that long. 
um, and was great at her job and all of this. Um, so she gets fired and the Kim family mother ends up getting the job as the housekeeper. And everything seems to be going well. They're all really good at their jobs. Um, and then the parks go away. They're going to go camping for the weekend. And so the Kims decide to have a little celebration in this incredible fucking house. Um, and so they've got the alcohol and the liquor. And it's very, it reminds me of one of those scenes in like a zombie film where everything is really difficult. And then they like get to a grocery store and they run around and have fun in the grocery store. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then what happens is Moon Guang, the housekeeper, comes back. The second they're hanging out all wasted in that house, just having family fun time, and then that doorbell intercom thing goes off. Total tonal flip. Yes, that's the moment where it really descends into horror. Because you see her through, like, the doorbell cam, and you don't know what's going on. She's acting really weird. Is that (laughs) blood on her face? (laughs) Yeah, like... What is going on? And so she uh, convinces the mother, Chung Suk, she convinces her to let her in so that she can uh, get, she forgot something in the basement. She has to go get it. When she goes down to the basement, we find it turns out that her husband has been living in like the panic room of this house for the last four years. She would sneak food down to him. He would come up whenever he could so they could be together, all of this. And so basically, the O family finds out that the Kim family is running a scam and threatens to turn them in. Things escalate, escalate, escalate. Oh uh, there's violence. Uh, Moon Guang ends up, she gets a concussion. She's knocked down the stairs. All oh. of this, the Park family comes home early. The Kim family barely escapes getting found by the Park family. And then the mother of the Park family decides to throw an impromptu birthday bash for her son because their camping trip got rained out. So she puts together this fancy upper-class party. And um, Moon Guang has died, and her husband, Gunsei, is distraught and emerges from the basement and starts a murderin. (laughs) (laughs) It just turns into a slasher film all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, the film ends. Uh, Ki Jung is dead. The mother and the son end up uh, arrested, but they get probation. And the father, who ends up stabbing Mr. Park and killing him, ends up basically taking refuge in the panic room of the basement. So he is trapped where Gunsei was for the last four years. And that's kind of where it ends. And it's real depressing. But there's so much to dig into. There's so much in this movie. Like, um, one, how perfect Mrs. Park is. <laughs> Isn't she? I love her. <laughs> I love Mrs. Park. I love all the sequences where she's just randomly asleep. <laughs> and it's like, she doesn't seem drunk. No, she. I think she has. she has nothing to do. She's just bored. She's bored. She has nothing going on. Like, that's the thing is, like, they have people taking care of them. I remember when I lived in uh, New York and I was a dog walker, there were some people I would walk their dogs because they fucking had a job and needed a dog walker. Yeah. There were other people who, like, you know, young wives or something that were home all day and they had a housekeeper and they had a nanny looking after the children who were right there. And then they had me come over and walk their dogs. And it's just like you delegate all of these aspects of your life and you're left with nothing to do 
that's the thing. What do you do? What does she do besides delegating? Because like like it's established, she doesn't cook. She can't clean. She she doesn't really raise the kids. Like everybody else, everybody else does that. So her job as a as the housewife or whatever, her job is to just hire people, and then people tell her things, and she goes. <gasps> <laughs> she's super naive and gullible and i love her i love mrs park yeah and she ends up sleeping all the time yeah at the table because she has nothing else to do her husband doesn't respect her probably doesn't even really love her because oh, yeah, he basically says that this is korea she's you know failing at her wifely motherly duties really mm-hmm. uh, because of this lifestyle that is afforded to her but yeah she's real likable I just appreciate, too, that this movie could easily go misogynist or something with her or just make more fun of her. And it doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. I think it makes fun of their relationship, her relationship with her husband. Absolutely. Especially when it is contrasted with the other two relationships. Absolutely. And he's the antagonist, really. Like, I mean, she she smells. I I like the, the the theme of like the scent. How they're constantly smelling Mr. Kim's, what is it, like, basement smell. And they keep smelling it. As she smells it, she makes a big face and then has to roll down the window. But otherwise, like, she really doesn't, she treats them like people, like friends. Except a... when she doesn't bother to ask what their names are. Oh, Except that's when, true. when uh, Kiwu first starts tutoring the daughter, she just says, we'll call him Kevin. She does, doesn't she? It's just like Martha, Marcy, Mae, Marlene. <laughs> She just renames yeah. them. She just read. I mean, we have Jessica, you know, because he like Kiwu is there to, to, to teach English, um, yeah. and so he introduces his sister as his cousin's friend or whatever, uh, Jessica. And so it is definitely like there's a cachet to using English terms. Like anytime you see, like it happened in mine, where you know you could see it there, where people will sprinkle in a random sentence in English. Yes. It's a sign of like class and privilege of like, I know English. Well, yeah. And I mean, they even use that to manipulate her where it's like, oh, well, you know, she went to school in Illinois Mm -hmm. or he went to school in Illinois. And she's like, Illinois, tell me more. Yeah, exactly. That's how they get the job. It's that desiring the, and there's, I mean, a whole thread there. We can talk about even with the headdresses that come in and all that, but there's that, there is a, another whole other layer of this film that is like kind of looking at class on like in a in an international on a korean level but then looking at how the where this all stemmed back to on a global level and it's really interesting anyway sorry well, i had to show no, up no, to no. Be the, the person that says hi my favorite takeaway was the rich woman right <laughs> well that's you no but i mean it's a i mean we're gonna be going on different the tangents i would think but i mean it's even like when they when the son, Da Song, played by the little boy who played Hajun in mine. <gasps> really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that little weirdo. How many tutors will he destroy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, everybody should watch mine. It's oh, on it's Netflix. So Do it before you cancel your Netflix subscription. You Another great mine. show about class. And I mean, it kind of glamorizes it, but still, it's also critical. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when he pitches his tent in the backyard during the rainstorm and the husband asks, is it going to leak? And she's like, no, I bought it from America. It'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I think she's benignly 
the same as her husband, basically. And I, I mean, the same way that the family has that conversation about her when they're all wasted, and they're like, "Oh, she's nice." And then the the mom even says, "Like, well, she can afford to be nice." Basically, she said, "Hey, if I was this rich, I'd be nice too." <laughs> so we've got the 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 obvious antagonistic relationship between the Kims and the Parks, right? But I mm-hmm. think what's really interesting about this movie is throwing the third family in it, the O family. Yeah. Who isn't discussed as much because it is a huge spoiler. Um, and so it's not going to be just all mentioned right off the top in a review. But I think it's when you look at these families and you look at the way the Kim family treats the O family and how there's no solidarity. Well, that's I mean, that's where the class read gets the most fascinating and the most authentic, right? Yeah. Is that's how people, that's how rich people stay in power is you get the poor people to fight with each other. Absolutely. And okay. So there's a throwaway line in this movie that this time around, I was like, I was like, actually that throwaway line is probably really resonating with Korean audiences. What is it? So it's when the uh, Kim family, they've started to get some paychecks and they end up their big expenditure day out is they go to the buffet for the drivers for like for mm-hmm. the all the sh- the taxi drivers they go there and they mention chick that uh the father Kitek had a chicken place and that he had the cake place i caught on to that too so what that's all about is like the way it's presented just for us in the subtitles. It's like, OK, so they've tried different schemes and they haven't worked. Look at this family of con artists. Right. So I've noticed the chicken place especially has come up repeatedly in things that I've read. Um, there's a book of short stories called Flowers of Mold, which I highly recommend. It's dark as fuck. Super depressing. Um, written by a woman and it's all uh, I mean the title tells you how dark and depressing it's going to be so if you can find Flowers of Mold I Flowers highly of recommend Mold. and it's originally yeah. a Korean text um, yes by Ha Song Nan I can well, maybe we could do it we'll pull a faculty of horror maybe and do, <laughs> write these things in our show post or something oh wow yeah that I noticed the chicken place came up in um, the novel Kim Ji Young born 1982 which anybody who is interested in the plight of women in Korea and what the feminist scene looks like and etc I highly recommend that by Cho Nam Ju um, and so it's like what is the deal with all of this stuff here's the deal with all of this stuff it all stems from the 1997 Asian financial crisis mm. There was a huge market crash in 1997 that started, I think, in Indonesia and had a ripple effect. And Korea at that time was enjoying a very stable, very prosperous middle class. Foreign investors pulled all of their money out of Korea. The country almost went bankrupt. And basically what happened is the entire middle class ended up completely restructured. People lost their jobs the way it used to be before the crash. If you got a decent job, you were set. You would get tenure, you would get a pension, you had benefits. They would often, it would come with apartments and cars and all of these things, like Mm. just as prosperous as the middle class could be. After the crash, unemployment skyrocketed. Um, Youth unemployment skyrocketed, all of this. The WAN became super depreciated, all of this. People were forced to retire at, like, age 40, and maybe you would get a severance if you were lucky. 
And the one way that people would find uh, some kind of salvation is they would open chicken restaurants. Because the chicken restaurant was super cheap to open because banks were going uh, bankrupt and companies were going bankrupt. Banks that were still around were giving people super great loans to, house, to homeowners. You could get a loan for a real low interest rate, real cheap. People would take the severance if they had it or a bank loan or something like that and they would open a ch fried chicken joint because it was cheap to open. You could use your family for labor. You would have like two things on the menu so you had low overhead, all of this. The problem is there were too many fucking chicken joints. Oh no. To the point where it was so saturated. Like there were more chicken joints, fried chicken joints than like McDonald's. You know mm. what I mean? Like It's like when there were Starbucks on every street corner. Yeah, except there would be even more and they were all yeah. fried chicken. Yeah. Like it's like they made a law that chicken places could not open within so many like feet of each other. It got that serious? It got that serious. So what happened was all of these loans, right? Uh, you know, short-term lending, long-term borrowing, all of these things, total chicken bubble bursts. <laughs> the chicken bubble! Too many chicken joints. And so now these people had to find something else when their businesses went bankrupt. Along comes the Castella Cakes, which was a huge fad. This Taiwanese cake became a super fad in Korea. People started opening Castella shops. Yes, it was more risky because it wasn't as ubiquitous as something like chicken. Like, you're making cakes for people, so it's not as like, I'm drunk, I'm going to eat some chicken or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so they would buy... So it was like a bigger risk, but hopefully a bigger reward. That fad only lasted about a year because there was some news expose or something that found a castle shop that was using like really poor quality cooking oil or something. And so the entire cake industry basically got a bad name. It was also a little better maybe than a Ponzi scheme where people would open a castle of cake shop and then sell it to somebody else immediately. And those people were left holding the bag. Wow. So in this movie... What you have is basically Mr. Kim was probably just a great, you know, middle class worker who was forced into all of these situations. And the same thing happened to the O family. He said he lost his money in a castle of cake business, except yeah. the Kim family think they're better than the O family because the Kim, the O family went to a loan shark to get their money. Right. Yeah. That's the whole point of, of Chung Sook asking that explicitly. Yeah. And that's why he's trapped in the basement. He's hiding from debtors who are still after him from his money from his failed cake shop. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like it speaks to this kind of piecemeal existence that people have had to like there's Korea is still recovering from that crisis the same way that we're still recovering from fucking 2008. You think it's over these financial crises, but the ripple effects go on and on and on and on and on. Absolutely. And once companies can get away with, like, what we're experiencing now, I don't know how it is around the world, but here in the United States, prices on everything are going up, 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 up. Yeah. The inflation at the grocery store is fucking insane. Yeah, it's out of control. 
prices are going up, sizes of things are going down, and they're like, well, it's because of COVID. But guess what? Nothing's ever going to go back. Now that they can get away with selling you less for more, they're never going to go back. Mm-hmm. And so now people in Korea, it's like the workforce return and unemployment got better, but you're not getting that pension anymore. You're not getting a tenured position anymore. You're not getting the same kind of benefits anymore. And the morale amongst young workers especially is really bad. Like they don't ever see it getting any better. And what's happening is that Korea tends to have a conservative government. It went left wing for the previous president who made a lot of promises, didn't do much. COVID happened, housing prices are skyrocketing. And so now they've swung back super conservative and it's like, this is all still ripple effects from 1997. Yeah. So it's just, it's this isn't, like, the Kim family isn't just a family of grifters who, like, had a bunch of bad business ideas. It's like, they were a family just like anybody else. And I think it's a big warning to viewers of, like, and that's the whole, like, don't have a plan. Like, if you have a plan, it's never going to work out anyway. Mm-hmm. That that sort of motif that keeps coming up through this movie of like, do you have a plan? What's our plan? Plan, plan, plan. Well, and all the way to the ending when he's like, I have a plan. <laughs> yeah. One day I'll be rich. But then it's like, okay, bye. Mm-hmm. What, when is that one day going to happen? And that's, I mean, that's the cosmic universal hustle is, well, one day it will work out. All of this will have worked out. But when it's constantly stacked against you, historically, and it just, as you pointed out, it just keeps getting worse and worse and means and um, uh, possibility keep getting limit, more and more limited because of just the chipping away at what people are going to afford um, to, the, to the lower classes than, than the ruling class. This is what they're driven to. Is that like, if you look at the Kim family, I think about that uh, picture of Chung Suk with her silver medal. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is a family who can pass. Like, they're all qualified for the jobs that they end up doing. <laughs> That's the thing. They're really good at their jobs. It's not that they, they grift and then they just don't do it. They actually are really good at it. But they don't have... Well, then it comes up again, this idea of vigor. Gisei, this concept of, like, it's very bootstraps, meritocracy kind of... You're just not working hard enough. If you're if you're not mm. succeeding, it's just you're not working hard enough. And you look at when Mr. O in the basement is, you know, worshipping the Park family. And when the Kim family get jobs from the Parks, they're, oh, thank you, benevolent Mr. Park, and all of this. And it's like, these are the people who are keeping you down. Yeah. Yeah, that's the f- fun, one of the funniest things that, that uh, Mr. O, that he's constantly leaving these Morse code messages or beaming up Morse code messages by slapping his forehead into a switch. Mm-hmm. Constantly saying, thank you, Mr. Park. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But there's this, like, Mr. Park says, like, oh, I love someone who can stay at their job for a long time. And it's like, well, Mr. Kim is evidence that that's not always possible. Mm-hmm. And that's through no fault of his own. And so it's like, it's this standard that poor people are held to, which is like, you have full responsibility for your station in life. Like, completely, if you don't have all of these good things, it's because you're not working hard enough. But there is also the stigma to it. You can work as hard as you want, but you still smell. I can still smell you. Yeah. And so it's just... But then you have the Park, the Kims and the O's fighting each other 
because, <laughs> you know, well, it's not the benevolent parks that are the problem. And I think it doesn't, it finally comes to a head at the birthday party when the father of the park family gets a whiff of Gunsei. Oh my God, it's so good. And that's when Kitake stabs him. And it's like, I think at that moment, he finally realizes, like, no matter what we do, we're not them. Yeah, this is the enemy. The parks like it when you don't cross the line, right? Like, that's what the husband keeps saying. Mm-hmm. Don't try to cross the line. Yeah, because there always has to be separation between you two. You're not ever going to be equals. I don't know. It's really, it's just depressing. Bong Joon-ho <laughs> said that he actually did the math. And for the son to buy that house at, like, the kind of wages he was earning, it would literally take him 500 years. That's horrific. Yeah. (laughs) That's a nice dramaturgical detail that I am happy to know. Wow. Like, there's that's the thing is, like, what this movie teaches us is there's no such thing as social mobility. It's like you have the son, Kiwoo, and his friend who, what's the difference between the two of them? The friend seems like he comes from money. He's got a grandfather who collects fancy rocks. Like, that's a pretty, you know, privileged hobby to have. Yeah, yeah. He dresses like he's going to go abroad and study and all of this stuff. And meanwhile, Kiwu hasn't been able to get it together. And he feels it's because he doesn't have enough vigor, which is what he stresses mm. to Dahai when he's uh, tutoring her. And nobody realized that the system is what is working against you. Well, and that's the problem. It's your own, you're, we're conditioned to believe it's our own internal failing. That is, it's not motivate. you don't have enough motivation or you don't, yeah, it's the vigor thing on that cultural level. But I mean, that's with so much, I, I made the mistake of reading, is it Chavs, Chavs or Chavs, Chavs um, by Owen Jones earlier last year. And I mean, it's just, he's tracing it back in that, in that text. He's tracing, uh, basically the way, the, the, why everything is the way it is. And he traces everything back to, I mean, from a British perspective, going back to like Thatcher and kind of the destruction, uh, and the wearing down of working class jobs and like shutting down of coal mines and all these things, but not actually doing anything to help people get into new jobs. But then also teaching and uh, convincing the working class that, well, the problem is these poor people, these chavs, like the problem is these, the, 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 the people that just want to live off the system. So then you convince the working class that actually poor people like yourselves are also the problem. And then you just remain in power and you get people to vote against them, their own best interests by saying, well, you're not that. Those people don't even want to work. Right. Look at this one. Well, look at this one's a freeloader in the basement. Oh, you went to a loan mm-hmm. shark to open your chicken place? Exactly. But then that's the th- that they both have that backstory. Mm-hmm. Like that shared connection. We know that, I mean, she was this housekeeper for this very well-to-do architect. Like they, they're on the same footing, but they are incapable of seeing it because they're both competing to be who can, who can leech off of this rich person in the most, um, uh, noble way <laughs> noble looking way right yeah the kim family is very passing you know and so if it wasn't for their smell which is there because like you know they haven't crossed the line like you, you're still in your place but otherwise they can pass mm-hmm. especially the ones who speak english and can be very you know how cultured mm-hmm. how cultured is jessica 
She studied in the United States and speaks English. <laughs> she knows about art therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she's like, this is the schizophrenia part of the painting. Yeah. Oh, I, I love, love her. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, I don't know, even down to like the details of, I noticed how much fruit is in this movie. Fruit is mm-hmm. prohibitively expensive in Korea. Really? Like people only eat what is in season. And even then it's an extravagance. Like what we pay like $5 for, they're going to pay $80 for. Like it's. So when, when Chung Sook shows up with these giant platters of fruit that she'll just sit, slap down constantly. for like a snack. Yeah. There's constant huge platters of fruit. Wow. Or one thing I did notice a bad subtitle. A bad subtitle? Well, not, I think, a subtitle that isn't uh, as accurate as it could be. Really? Oh, so not a subtitle gone wrong. Not the subtitle you want to avoid in an alleyway. <laughs> yeah, from the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah. Real Some bad subtitle girl smokes. subtitle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Christopher Walken's in the music video with this subtitle. <laughs> yeah. Now, in the Ramdon Right when the parks come right. home, when they call on the way home, and they're like, "Make some ramdon, and put some beef in it." The subtitles say sirloin. She doesn't ask for sirloin. She asks for like basically wagyu beef. Oh, ramdon is basically all ramdon. Everybody eats ramdon. It's basically just taking chapaghetti. Which is like a black bean kind of ramen type thing. And this spicy ramen, basically. Which is reappropriated udon. Right? Ram yeah. Ramdon. Which also it looks so good. Yeah. Which is also a thing that the Koreans took basically Japanese noodles and reappropriated them because Japanese culture is still fairly taboo in Korea. Mm. post-colonial era to the point where Japanese products don't often appear on the shelf. So basically they took these noodles that they wanted to eat, made them Korean, and then they can enjoy them. So basically, (laughs) basically Mrs. Park just asks for this like ramen dish that everybody fucking eats and it's super duper cheap, but she wants Wagyu beef on it. So it's like, even just small details like that are showing you... Where, like, the level of existence, basically. That's that's actually really important, because Wagyu beef, as we all know, is super, 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 super fucking expensive. Right. Sirloin is a different story. Sirloin is just whatever, right? Stacy, what happened in that sub... What, what ghastly debacle happened in that subtitle office that could lead to this, like... I don't know. See, and this is why... if you continue on these lessons you could be there in that subtitle office and say hold on (laughs) hold on a minute hold on dramaturgical note note here please also do you guys like mama (laughs) moo they're like stop trying to change the title don't write it's parasite i think it should go back to the other title have you heard the song listen i'll play it (laughs) but those I, I think, I mean, and that's that's something that I, I actually, so I loved also, like, in keeping with that, like, oh, they're going to eat, they're eating working class food, but putting Wagyu beef in it. I loved the, in, in this, the inclusion of native headdresses. Oh, I bet. 
And the idea of uh, just, oh, the, the, this kid is obsessed with, the, I think, do they just say American Indian or Indian? Um, that the, the little Dasong is obsessed with Indians, dresses up like one, has his, his teepee tent that she bought from America so it's not going to leak. Uh, that that in by the end of this film, they're, it's Mr. Kim and Mr. Park and they're both wearing headdresses and they're hiding in the bushes and they're getting ready to like do this mock ambush thing and there's tomahawks. And it's just, it says so much. I, I think it's so brilliant and it's so funny that it's like taking taking the absolute root, uh, ground zero of American capitalism, which is like the founding of, of in the colonization of this country on native land and the destruction of native people and genocide and all that, but taking that and it's just in in this desire to be American where we've already had it established that like the, if, if it's from America, it's nice and this is, this is desirable that then now that now nativeness has just become this weird fun accessory play thing completely divorced from any history or any any ties to colonialism or capitalism it, it's just such a weird little touch that i just think is brilliant <laughs> yeah it's like the the rest of the world is still in cowboys and indians you know yeah. what i mean like i don't know that you're gonna be able to go to the i mean maybe you can whatever the toy store is and find your cowboys and indians dress up set i don't know if they have those anymore that's a really good question i'm very curious but that was such a staple of childhood you know what i mean yeah like and so it's just interesting that people are still doing it, but it's, but there's something about it because it's American and it's exotic and all of this. <laughs> it like, yeah. Rather than it just being kids. I mean, you know, uh, Da Song sees it as just playing. He's just obsessed with like the imagery and all of this, but for the, totally. For the, and like the, they track it back to his Boy Scouts thing. and Yeah. But for the adults, there's something very like, oh, look at us having an American party with our yeah. Indian stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and then that's interesting, too, where, like, if we're talking about colonialism and where it intersects with capitalism, like, when Mrs. Park has this idea for this party, and she, so she wants to have the party out in the backyard, and she wants every, the, the teepee to be the centerpiece, and then she says, take the tables and, oh, fan them out, like, in a, what is she, she compares it to a Japanese warship, and, like, she basically is, is creating, like... <laughs> This backyard is a testament to colonialist warfare. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of how everything's organized. Like, you have the teepee in the middle, and she wants all the tables fanned out like warships. Going back to col the Korean colonization. Yeah. But she doesn't attach any of that to it. It's just a motif. It's just a motif. But, like, when she... It, it's a... I mean, it's a point in the script that she gets inspired and thinks, Oh, but, like, that warship... All of these histories don't actually impact the rich characters in any way. It becomes accessory for, for it becomes decor. Yeah, that's what I meant. It's like she's not attaching any meaning yeah. to these things. It's just, I mean, it's just a fancy decorating thing she got at Party Town, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, that's it. And that those histories inflict, like, the, the, the lower classes are still... Like the cake shops or like the chicken joints, the lower classes are still grappling with the ripple effects of those histories. But for the parks, it's lit it's just fun. It's something fun that you do. Well, I love it. look at the husband, Gunsei, in the basement. Like you mentioned it before, like when Mr. Park comes home 
and he's basically lighting his way up the staircase because he can hear him going up the stairs and so he chooses to like turn the lights on so mr park is and mr park has no idea that this is happening the good yeah, is just... literally a ghost like that you know their son thinks he's literally a ghost mm-hmm. and so it's just that kind of invisible labor that you know the wealthy don't take any notice of that are keep no. that are keeping the fucking lights on for you when you get home from your hard day yeah, keeping your lights, they're physically injuring himself <laughs> because he uses his forehead for whatever reason. Physically injuring himself, and it goes completely unnoticed. And, but it. he's still the benevolent Mr. Park. Respect. It's just like the the narrative of your poverty being a consequence of your own failings, and the system of exploitation is just. It really resonates whether you want there to be or not. There are still class divides and it's like, well, I don't denigrate the people who like, you know, live in the Trump voters from West Virginia rural area or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, why do we feel such a divide? Why are you worshiping Trump and his gold toilet? (laughs) You know? Mm hmm. When when we when we are when we're screaming at each other over mask mandates or vaccines or, I mean things that really are real and have major repercussions and and affect all of us when in a in a community, <laughs> uh, but that ultimately all of this shit is just being weaponized to get us to yell at each other instead of just taking these people out of power. We've had the opportunity. <laughs> We've had we've had this so far this entire Biden presidency. We've had so much time to just actually work to prevent Trump from coming back or prevent DeSantis from getting a better job. <laughs> but we're not. We're busy blocking our, our family members because they're not vaccinated <laughs> or because or because they are vaccinated. And it's just like, OK. We're actually on the, we're more on the same playing field than we think, than we like to think. But we convince ourselves that there are these divisions that set us apart. So, and then you throw skin color in. And it's like, I don't yeah. think there's any country on the planet that isn't colorist to some degree. Yeah. Even in a, you know, largely homogenous society, they're still mm-hmm. viciously colorist. Mm-hmm. Why do you think K-pop people fucking bleach their skin? <laughs> like... Yep. It's depressing. It's really depressing. And I think it's just a final twist of the knife for that, like, quote unquote, hopeful ending of like, Dad, I'll buy the house and save you. And all you have to do is walk upstairs and just knowing it's never going to happen. Like, there's no reality in which that's going to happen. I mean, just the fact that even to relay that message, right, you have to break it into semaphore or whatever, (laughs) Morse. And then how does he even get that message back to his dad? Like, it's, it's, it's just, there are so many steps that you can, you can try to make your plan and you can try to figure out all the steps that you need to take. But ultimately, yeah, it's going to take you 500 years. It's impossible. But we keep telling ourselves, well, if I just do this. And that's why through the whole movie, like the, their whole, like, do you have a plan? What's your plan? keeps coming up until the father's finally like my plan is that i don't have plans because you make a plan and it just never works out yeah and he has seen that in trying to do the right thing and probably had the good job and then lost it and then lost this business and then lost that business and then he was a drive when they talk about him being a driver he wasn't like somebody's chauffeur he was 
basically like an Uber driver, but lower in terms of like, there's this, I think they're called dairy drivers, where you basically hang out all the time and you drive drunk people home. Oh, really? Like, that's your job. Korea is a huge drinking culture. Um, and so you like, that's basically your job. You have, there's no union. There's no, it's all like freelance contract work. There's no protections. You have nowhere to go. There's no office. You just basically hang out and drive drunk people home. And so it's like, he's done all of these things. And no matter what he tries, how are you supposed to get out of that? How are you supposed to get out of that apartment? Yep. That basement apartment that's flooding, you know? Oh man, that sequence that fucking sequence when just like everything is the worst it could ever be and Jessica is just sitting keeping the toilet seat shut by sitting on top of it and it is just shooting out black shit all over my god it's just the absolute bottom of the bottom and meanwhile the same rainstorm the parks are fine oh it was so necessary we needed that rain for their nice lawn like, even just their house is, I mean, first of all, it's a beautiful house, but, like, people don't have those kind of houses. You know what I mean? Like, most people yeah. don't even have stairs over there. And, like, to have a lawn like that is so significant of their status. Oh, just the vastness of space? Yeah. I mean, the house is gorgeous, but it's the amount of space. And the noise. Mm-hmm. The sort of noise is such a big indicator of your social status how much noise you have to put up with wow you know what i mean rich people don't have to hear anything that's they, true they, they just insulate themselves yeah yeah in more ways than one yeah meanwhile when you're poor you have to listen to the Seven Eleven dumpster party and my neighbor's diesel whatever the hell that thing is yeah you know what i mean because you can't afford quiet yep and so it's just like look at their you know, the world that the Kims are go coming from and going to. Oh, I mean, when they when they have to get away, uh, when the, the comical sequence of the the family coming back home. I mean, after everything has gone awful with the O's, but then the Parks come back, and then they have to sit there and listen to them complain about the Kim, Mister Kim smell, while then suddenly the family, the the Parks are groping each other. <laughs> <laughs> And then the family makes the parks, or no, the Kims make their exit, and like that descent to the underworld. Yeah. The amount of stairs, and it's almost like it's you don't get a cross section, but the amount of huge shots just pulled all the way back, where you just see them descending these giant staircases until it feels like they are at the fucking bottom of the city, where they're at sewer level, and then the house itself has become the sewer at this point. It's over the top. While being very well done. Which is interesting. This movie has a lot of balancing acts. Yes. It's, it's so funny, but really incisive. It kind of actually in a similar way to um, The Wailing. Mm. Mm -hmm. Really funny, but incredibly sad and twisted also. And has a lot going on. Yeah, it is really smart. It doesn't feel... It doesn't feel ham-fisted in its, in its metaphors, or, I mean, call it a metaphor feels a little silly because it's very obvious what it's about, but... I'm glad we uh, revisited it. Me too. You heard it here first, people. Parasite is a good movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Darkness 2022. Yeah. We're still learning. I liked it the first time.
Yeah, I recognized it was a good movie. I just said, and? Right. <laughs> Does it need to be black and white? Yeah. Hmm. Still don't think it needs to be black and white. I don't think black and white's going to add anything to it. Well, they said, I remembered re- reading, it was like, now in crisp black and white, the it makes the movie more crisp and severe and like as sharp as Mr. O's knife or something. Oh, it was like brother. Some, some some lofty programmer wrote that synopsis somewhere. Oh, <laughs> brother. Like, I think all it would do is not let me see the beautiful colors of the wood in that house. Yeah, it's a, it's very <laughs> you know, color this isn't Suspiria 77, you know, but I think the color that is used is meaningful. The cinematography is lush. Yeah. It's a very attractive film. I don't understand why you would take... But I never understand why things are black and white. The one time I got it was the Mad Max when they put that in black and white. Because it's like, oh, because like oil. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and then when they were like, how about the mist? And you were like, oh, like fog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. The mist, I, I also, with that one, I was like, well, I guess it kind of unifies the CGI and makes it look more like it's there. Right. <laughs> but I still, I just never, anytime they released, didn't they do Nightmare Alley in black and white? I think so, Didn't yeah. he just do that? Guillermo just did that? Because he's like, I, I'm, I've lost all ideas. <laughs> let's, let's put this movie out in black and white. Oh, because that, because the original was in black and white. Do you right. get it? Yeah. Oh, I see. Sure. It just never needs to happen. No. It's it's always just, it's, it's you're just trying to get more money. Good movie, though. A great movie. Yeah. Love Parasite. Yeah. Wow. R.I.P. Jessica. Uh, perfect. I know. Ki Jung. Perfect queen. Yeah, I know. What perfect a tragedy. queen tragedy park sodom love her she's a great actress she just uh went through a round of she had throat cancer <gasps> yeah i guess oh. she, i guess she's recovering well but oh good i hope she's okay because she's she terrific. is she is so talented so funny so cool yeah so great well stacy with all of that said, are you ready to descend the staircase upon staircase upon staircase into the, uh, wait, are you, wait, are you, wait, are you ready to descend staircase upon staircase upon staircase only to thence, then hence, thenceforth, thenceforth, only to place your head on the sewage filled chopping block? We got there. <laughs> I got there. Sorry, like Mrs. Park, I fell asleep there for a second. Oh, you weren't just out, you weren't just Mrs. O just concussed against yeah. the cement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, sure. I am so sorry, but that's one more thing is. That actually got me th- the cement, the head against the cement. That's, oh, but that is talking about balancing acts and thinking about how this, how he constructed this film. The use of that physical comedy is such a brilliant way of mirroring the class battle between the O's and the Kims. I think 
where it's like we la- we laugh at Mrs. O shoved in that wall trying to push open that cabinet and get to that secret door. Like we're, it's so funny. She falls and hits that bench or whatever and hits her head on it. Mm-hmm. I'm still laughing, but it's like I'm laughing at this violence being inflicted upon this woman. Mrs. Mrs. Pa- Mrs. Kim pushing Mrs. O down the stairs. The way she just walks over and does it is so funny. But then we're immediately met with that head against the cement. And it's just like, oh, but then you realize what you're laughing at. But I just think it's so well done. So I like the use of slapstick. Because it's slapstick, but it's not funny. So, the block. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a thing, you know. I, you might be acquainted, maybe. It's a I question am. and answer game. You are. You are acquainted. I am, yeah, yeah. You... A look at the amount, the vast amount of scar tissue we have on our necks. <laughs> keeps sewing our heads back on. At some point, I mean, it's amazing that Zoom Care keeps seeing us at all. <laughs> uh, because here on the chopping block, we present each other with three categories of horror trivia. We choose our category. We are then given five different questions that we have 10 seconds to answer each individual question. Unless and until one of us calls out, I want the wig. In which case, Jamie Lee Curtis's wig from the 1981 film Halloween 2 descends upon your head and affords you an extra 10 seconds to answer that question because it has confused our non-binary executioner, the headstay, uh, who is standing there waiting, axe ready. If you get anything wrong, that axe comes down and you're dead, you're done, game over. If you get all of your questions right... Congratulations. Uh, maybe one day you too will get to live in the Parasite House if you keep answering these questions oh, well enough. Oh, wow. See, bring it all back. Wow, okay. So last time you had a definitive answer for who went first, you this week. I don't. And to be honest with you, until, like right before you uh, joined me here in the studio, uh, I forgot about chopping block all together so <laughs> i got some old ass questions and i scrambled put like choosing which categories uh to get ready for this and so basically the point is no i don't know who went first last time i'm in the exact same place and i also have old ass categories <laughs> it is like we're in chopping like th- listen we've been doing this for i don't know how long people yeah <laughs> I love the chopping block. I will always love the chopping block. It's just like we got some dregs to get through. Absolutely. So, so like I'm I'm just considering while we're doing non-horror horror horror adjacent week month week all week here for the next month. Gaylords <laughs> of Darkness. I am just considering this the the deep discount chopping block. This is chopping block outlet. You know, here's the dollar shoes, here's last year's question, chopping block. At least for now, because I'm lazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I was, I do have old categories to get through, but I did have the feeling when I realized that I had forgotten, I was like, oh man, because you know, whenever we do a Korean movie. She goes all out. I do like to try to work some of my queens into the categories. So I was bummed about that, but then I found an old category. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That may or may not have some queens in it. So well, let let me hear it. Okay, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll answer first. Okay, you answer first. First category is Chop Tan Jilmun. 
which is a miscellaneous category. Who knows what I'm going to ask you? Well, I do, because I'll be reading the questions. Oh, that's helpful. (laughs) But there's nothing tying any of the stuff in this category together. It's a pure potluck, baby. Oh, yeah. Category two is she works hard for the title. Uh, And this one, I don't know. What is this? Oh, uh, it looks like, because I don't really know. (laughs) I'm sorry, are you doing an archaeological dig and dusting off this category? I am. It looks like I give you the year and a working title or original title of a horror film, and you tell me the name of what we know it as, basically. Oh! Okay! And (laughs) category three, since, you know, we did some cinema international uh this category is where in the world is horror san diego (laughs) in which i give you the name of a horror film you tell me the city in which the horror film takes place Ooh! so you have chapter gentlemen she works hard for the title and where in the world is horror san diego what's the first one again it's miscellaneous questions. That's just, you just ask me questions. It's a big potluck, a potpourri, if you will. Like, if it was oh. Jeopardy, it would be the potpourri. There's nothing tying any two questions together. There's no theme. Wow. It's a mishmash. Wow. These are all great. So we've done Japtan Jilman before. A we have? Of, a couple of times, yeah. Okay. Um. Oh, this is really hard, because I like them all. Um... Well, I first have to ask ask a question. Is Carmen Sandiego like canon lesbian? Or do we just want her to be? Do I just want her to be? You always ask this. I do? Mm-hmm. I feel like she is, right? Sure, why not? Is it the red coat? I don't know. Lesbians anyway. are famous for having red coats. Les- I... Everyone knows. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that I did add into a question here for Jobs and Jillman. The chance for you to win a bonus. <gasps> really? Yes. So. Oh. Oh, I gotta catch up because you still have the. No, did you I trade in I the use... of the dead? I I think I traded it in for something. But you have Karen Huger still. <laughs> <laughs> well, her wig. I don't remember. Yeah. Her unreliable wig. Yeah. So I gotta catch up. I want to. Let's take me there. Okay. Like a prayer. This category is very difficult. What? Yes. But one of the oh, questions no! one of the questions has a chance for you to win a bonus. Oh, but I have to earn it. Of course you do. Bonuses are not given out willy-nilly for free. This is no welfare state here, the chopping block. Okay? <laughs> Look at me. Don't try to cross off. the line. Oh, wow. Thank you. All right, here we go. Question one. What will the question be? What is the theme? Nobody knows. Okay. Question one. Name two final girls. <laughs> uh, Sid Prescott and Laurie Strode. Yes! Ding, ding, ding! Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Told you these are difficult. <laughs> question two. Name a movie with a wig in it. <laughs> Uh, the craft. 
Okay, are you sure? The question is, are you sure? I can no. say any movie and you would just have to I, accept Yeah, it. I just go with it. That's fine. <laughs> All right, you're doing really well. Congratulations. Here we go. Oh question three. <laughs> now, this one's tough. <laughs> okay. How many legs does Stevie Wayne have? most of that movie she could have any number of legs under that table she could be like the thing how do we know she isn't the thing that's right okay this is the question where you have a chance to earn a bonus okay name all of the members of mama moo (laughs) for your bonus chance to win moobiel's bangs that she has for this comeback do, do it in either ascending or descending order of ages. Oh, no! Of ages? Oh! Oh! I'm going to say uh, Solar first? Buell? Huyen? Hwasa? Yes! Ding, ding, ding! Really? Yeah, you were over time. But it's Mama Mo, so I will allow it. <laughs> and oh, you... my God. Are you serious, though? Yeah, that's the descending order. I have the wig. I have the bangs. You have Moonbeal's clip-on bangs. Her bangs are not clip-on. These are blonde bangs. Yes, the blonde bangs. Uh, so they are a replica that clips on. Oh, oh, I feel so pretty. (laughs) Okay, that'll grant you. I don't know, ten extra seconds sometime. Okay, question five. Oh, wow. This is for all the prizes, Anthony. See if you can get this one. Freddy Krueger, yes or no? (laughs) I'm going to be controversial. I'm going to say no. Oh, ding, ding, ding. You won and you won the bonus. Yes, you lost, but you won. <laughs> yes, you lost. <laughs> but you won. I can't believe I won. You don't know Jack Toddler edition. That's right. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself for win losing on week month week. <laughs> Good job. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Look at you. Now, if someone is like, oh, you think you're like a horror bro? Well, how many legs does Stevie Wayne have? You'll be like, two. I don't even have to venture it as a guess anymore. That's right. Now you know for sure. I confirmed it. (laughs) You know, it was just April 21st, not too long ago, which is Stevie Wayne Day. That's right. But now it now we could also petition it for it to be international. Stevie Wayne does, in fact, have two legs. Awareness Day. There you go. Leg yeah. Awareness Day. Sponsored by Stevie Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was really cool. I have beautiful bangs now. Yeah, you do. Wow. Well, thank you for that. Um, I don't have anything near anywhere near as fun for you for that, of course. I figured. 
Buckle up, <laughs> buckle up, Stacy. You got three insufferable old uh, categories coming back to you. Okay. Uh, your first category, old category, is subtitles. I don't come to movies to read. In which, this is not about films with subtitles. This is about the subtitle to the title of the film. So. I tell you the name of a movie, you tell me what the subtitle is. So if I said, Freddy's Dead, you would say, The Final Nightmare. Well, I probably sense? wouldn't, because I didn't remember that. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. I well, do get the point. I get the as point. As the chopping block has proven recently, Freddy Krueger, no. no. <laughs> you know what? I was on Netflix, and I was scrolling through, and it said Freddy versus Jason. And the picture of Freddy was just him and his stupid face laughing. <laughs> and I'm like, what happened to him? Yeah. <laughs> what happened to him? Like, he is a Sith. In that movie, he's essentially Emperor Palpatine in Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> yeah. Where they just laugh and have good time. But then that makes me say, Freddy Krueger, yes. <laughs> See? You do love dumb shit. If they just have a good time, they're just mm-hmm. laughing to themselves. Anyway, subtitles I don't come in movies to read. This is your first old category. Your second old category is Fatal Obsession. And this is a little adjacent, forgive me, because this is all about erotic thrillers. I see. Question and answers about erotic thrillers. Uh, most of them are you tell me the movie, but some are not. Okay. But I think you'll get those. And your third category, returning old category, comes courtesy of one Jason. This is the Jason special part two, the Stacy experience. And this is horror trivia crafted by Jason for one Stacy Ponder. Uh, All of these questions are in some way concerned with characters or movies or people or whatever. Places, people, nouns, really, that take after the name Stacy. I have no clue. I love Jason, but I have no clue. I gotta go with the subtitles one, even though I don't feel confident. Oh, really? You're gonna go with the subtitles one? I'm gonna push myself. You chose a hard category. I'll choose a hard category. Thank you. Thank you. I like to lead the way. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I like I like to light the path, as Res- it were. Respect. Thank you. Uh, all right, here we go. Subtitles, I don't come to movies to read. I'll just tell you the name of the movie, and then you do the rest. Sound good. Sure. Number one, Halloween H2O. That has a subtitle? Oh, 20 years later! Ding, 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 ding! Oh! I didn't know that that was official. Okay. Very well done. It's the clunkiest, strangest title ever. Halloween H2O, but essentially H20, 20 years later. So it's really Halloween, Halloween, 20, 20 years later. That's <laughs> what yeah. the title for that movie is. Yeah, I love it. I prefer it to all the new ones. Uh, okay. Number two. Jason Goes to Hell. The Final Friday. Ding, 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 ding. Ooh, this is, this is a nail biter, isn't it? It is. All right. You're doing so good, though. You're on number three now. Number three. Okay. Candyman 2. Farewell to the flesh. Ding, 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 ding. <sighs> okay. Number four. Prom Night 3. Oh, Fuck off. <laughs> I want the wig. Okay. Uh, Prom Night 3. 
this fucking Mary Moo Maloney sucks. <laughs> What's her name? Mary Moo, Mama Moo, Mama Moo. I was thinking of Mama Moo. Mama Moo Maloney. Marcy Bay Marlene. No. Final answer. <laughs> That's it? That's your final That's answer? That's my final answer. <laughs> Her name should be Mama Moo Maloney. Well, I want to give this to you so no. badly, the judges have, have said no. <laughs> something about something about uh, evil. Is evil in it? Prom night three. Evil. <laughs> Period. Prom night three colon evil. Mama Moo Martha Marcy May Moonbule Marlene. No. A dash. Yeah. Something about evil, no. Yeah. <laughs> Is it that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's Prom Night 3, colon, The Last Kiss. Sure. Okay. Well, there's a Prom Night 4. So there clearly, it is. no truth in advertising. <laughs> Whatever. Fuck her. Mo- Mo- of course, that bitch would be my big downfall. Betty Subalone. <laughs> Your ultimate villain. Yeah, my nemesis. Your enemy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Your nemesis. One hundred percent. Dollar Tree Mary Lou. Betty Zumbaloni. <laughs> well, I, I love how much you hate her. It makes I, so happy. <laughs> I really, she's really my arch enemy. She really is. Oh well. See, prom a uh, parasite is pitting people against each other. Pitting, right. look at, pitting these two women, these two queens against each other. One Blasey Blonder and one Betty Sue Baloney. <laughs> the Calcomani! <laughs> <sighs> well, I'm dead. So I don't care what happens around here next week. It's not my problem. <laughs> you know what? I've been watching a lot of Mount Everest stuff lately. Uh, the the like actual Mount Everest, like the mountain thing. Is there another one? <laughs> I don't know what else that would be. Yeah, but like, no, you're yes. just watching like do- the nature documentaries about the mountain. Yeah, I've been watching some documentaries and this uh, show, like a reality show that follows people up. Anyway. The point is, it's very high. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. And so I had a brief thought. You know how I'm like, well, what do I? What happens when I die? Like, what happens to my body? And I was gonna just crawl underneath the neighbor's porch when it was my time. Now right. I'm now I'm thinking, what if I went up Everest? Because when you die up there, they just leave you. Yes. So I could spend fifty thousand dollars climb as high as I could on Everest and then die and then they'll just leave me and that'll be it and I could try to die in a cool pose or something <laughs> for all the climbers that want to take that picture with you yeah <laughs> your T2 thumbs up <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so I don't know it's not a perfect plan but it did flash through my mind I like this so Thank so you. this is if you're not able to singularly uh, force your consciousness to survive death if that plan fails or if you do decide that the reincarnation doesn't work on your terms 
Well, reincarnation is fine. I'm worried about the detritus left behind. Well, this is why you're, yeah, well, this is why you can't get raptured either, because that's why you always have to wear those really nice gowns at all times. (laughs) Well, I mean, we all just leave a body behind, probably. So I just say, what do they do with the body? You know, I don't want this to be someone's problem. Isn't that so twisted that people just, like, go up there and they're just, like, scaling this shit with, like, bodies all in their midst? That's fucked that's a good plan i like this idea i think the spending saving fifty thousand dollars so that you can then (laughs) use it to die (laughs) i like the weekend at bernie's three (laughs) stacy goes to to mount everest have you heard of it (laughs) i don't i just don't understand people that want to do that or like skydiving or you know it's crazy talk. Yeah, it's not how I find my thrills. No, sit me down, put Rich Woman on the television, and sit me down in front of it. <laughs> right, yeah. That's yeah. all I need. I'm a simple person. Give me a hot pepper. I'm good. There you go. A, a Chinese mustard. Exactly. Like, I'll find my, I'll get my zings where I, where I want them. I don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't need to risk life and limbs. No, we're not doing an Everest documentary next week. Don't worry. <laughs> That's us. Although we kind of could. Adjacent. It, yeah, it's horror adjacent. That's for sure. Uh, but no, no, I don't know what we're doing. We haven't decided yet. It'll be more weeky, week, 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 weeks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a okay. week month. It's a week month. The week month will continue. It will be horror adjacent. Non-horror horror. Uh, in the meantime, GaylordsOfDarkness.com has all of our stuff. You can listen to old episodes. You can find our social media. Leave us a review somewhere. Listen to Mama Moo, at the least. Uh, okay. Well, right? Uh, I mean, do you have anything else to say to the people? uh, No. Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh, Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my god! God. Oh Oh my my god! Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Darkness! Ha, ha, ha.